I'm sure all of us at different points in our lives have heard about the different saints of the church, the, the different apostles that were sainted, St. Francis of Assisi, even Mother Teresa has been sainted. But did you know that there are more than 10,000 saints, more than 10,000 that are recognized in the Catholic Church? And that's just the ones that began with the 10th century when Pope John XV formalized a process. Before that, there were saints that had been told about from generation to generation, but some have been lost over time. But there's still today more than 10,000 saints on record. Some are saints because they embodied Christ in all of Christ's ways. Others are patron saints of particular causes because they did something great in a particular area. Maybe they, they worked with the poor or maybe they were really great at, at teaching and spreading the gospel through evangelism. They represent different attributes of what it means to truly be faithful. Even in other cultures, they may not call them saints, but a lot of times you'll hear people talk about their ancestors and the great things that they did that they handed down from generation to generation. They take a, talk about their ancestors in a way of strength, in a way of perseverance, in a way of faith. And that's what today's scripture ultimately is about. It's what I call the roll call of the saints or, or the hall of heroes, if you will. Every time I read this, this chapter that we began last week in worship and, and complete this chapter 11 in Hebrews, I think about that old gospel hymn that I cut my teeth on listening to my mom as she would play the piano. But I remember that old gospel hymn, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. The Hebrews writer is giving you the role of the hall of heroes. He talks about Abel and Enoch. He talks about Noah and Abraham and Sarah, about Isaac and Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Samson, Rahab, on and on and on, because there are so many great people in the hall of faith that, that we look up to that survived the different things that they encountered, that persevered because of their faith. As you read through this particular scripture, you see that there are three groups that, that are categorized here. You have the righteous, you have those who journeyed obediently in faith, and you have those that were tested by suffering. About Enoch being that righteous man, he was commended as one who pleased God. Noah, when warned of things unseen, didn't balk, didn't say, there's no way that that's going to happen. Instead, Noah went and he built an ark. Abraham trusted that God would give him children in spite of his old age. And then when called to sacrifice that firstborn child, he was willing to do so before God said, no, wait, I've got a different idea. Even Moses, he could have been a great leader and had power and authority in Pharaoh's court. And instead, he chose to claim his Jewish heritage. He chose to be mistreated with the people of Israel and then he became that great leader for God and led them out of Egypt. Rahab, this woman who shouldn't have been all that great, this woman of ill repute, becomes a symbol of hospitality, a symbol of welcome, and a symbol of courage and coverage for the people who needed her help in that time. She believed that the future belonged to the God of Israel, and so she was willing to put herself out there and put herself at risk to help them. She believed in what was yet hoped for and also unseen. 
I'm sure if you think about it, you think about the course of your lifetime, you can think about those different people in your life that you would classify or put up there in that hall of heroes alongside these others. Think about your folks from childhood or your friends and your colleagues in adult life. I think a lot of times when I think about the people in my life that that have touched me, that I've witnessed, that are faithful, one of them that comes to mind is my grandfather. He died when I was 10 years old, but I got to spend a lot of time with him as a child. And I remember my mom and her siblings, they talked about how he, when, when somebody would move to town, if he saw the moving truck coming through town, he would follow the truck to the house. And as the people were unpacking, he would tell them about church and invite them to church. And that's how the church grew a lot in that day and age was my grandfather following the moving truck around town. He was also extremely generous with his time and with his money. And I remember as a 10-year-old girl, vividly, I remember sitting in that sanctuary and it being a packed house or people standing all around the edges that he had touched throughout his life because there weren't enough seats in the pews for everyone to sit down. That's how much people loved him and respected him because he had touched them in some way. I think about people in different churches I've served along the way who just quietly were generous with their time and with their resources. People in positions of power who helped their employees to get to doctor's appointments so that they didn't have to take buses all over Atlanta to try to get there on time. I think about people in small town Alabama who looked after a woman who was mean as a snake but just needed to be loved and cared for because she'd had a really rough and rotten life. They didn't do it because they were seeking praise. They didn't do it because they wanted accolades. They didn't do it because they wanted to be recognized in the Hall of Heroes. They humbly did it because it was the right thing to do. They were called to follow Christ and when put an example put before them, they would jump at it to help another human being. They were always teaching people about Christ, whether it was through their words or through their actions. One interesting thing about today's scripture is that you're marching along through this parade of faith, naming off one by one by one, ticking off, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that, and they were great, and they followed Christ. And then the preacher almost marches the parade and takes it to a full screeching halt. The preacher brings it to a halt and says, they all did this faithfully, and yet none of them got to see that which they were working towards. They never got the fulfillment of the promise. Think about Moses. He led the people through through the wilderness for 40 years, and he never got to enter the promised land. He could see it, but he's not the one who actually got to take them on in to the promised land. You may be wondering, why is it that all these people went faithfully, knowing that they might not be able to see the promise fulfilled? But it's because God promises something greater and something better when you follow Christ. Throughout the book of Hebrews, better is a word that's connected to Jesus over and over again. In chapter 1, he's better than angels. Chapter 7, better than, there's a better hope. Again in chapter 7, there's a better covenant when you follow Jesus. Chapter 8, there's better promises. and chapter 9, there's better sacrifices. Because following Christ means there's something greater. You're working towards something bigger and better than yourself. And all of these people throughout the, the Hall of Heroes, they're waiting for that better resurrection. 
for that high priest, that perfecter of faith for whom they follow. But I think the best part of the entire scripture, and you have to read all of it to get to this point, is when the Hebrews preacher turns and says, but wait, it's not just them. In order for this to work, it takes all of us. It takes the entire village working and following from generation to generation to generation. You may have been reading it and thought, well, dang, that sure is disappointing that they didn't get to see the promise for which they were working. But the Hebrews preacher in verse 40 says, Faith can't be made perfect without all of us. Which means that our faith, that God needs each and every one of us. God needs you and God needs me. In different translations, in the NIV translation, he says, only together with us would they, meaning the whole communion of saints, would they be made perfect. And then in the message translation, it says their lives of faith are not complete apart from ours. Their lives of faith are not complete apart from ours. Can you imagine that nothing is complete without the whole and it takes each and every one of us to make up that whole? I imagine it kind of like this cord of faith that, that begins at the beginning of time and it goes all the way to the end of time and it's a cord of faith that is stretched out by Jesus himself. From beginning to end, our alpha and our omega He is at both points, but he's everywhere in between. And he's calling us and walking with each and every generation through the life of faith. It's that cord of faith that our ancestors, that those saints that came before us grabbed onto. They wrapped their hands around it. And we're called to grab onto it also. We're called to join that great cloud of witnesses. Not so that we can be part of the Heroes Hall of Fame. Not so that we can get the accolades or our name can be called on the great roll up yonder. But because it's the right thing to do as we seek to make our world a better place, as we seek to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, we have to grab hold of that cord because we believe too in things that are unseen, that we believe in a better hope and a better resurrection, that we believe in that better covenant that is made perfect in Jesus Christ. But we don't do it alone. As Disney mentioned, and I know I've said it before, we're all part of that great cloud of witnesses. We are all part of those fans in the stands. When I was a kid and I would hear people talk about the communion of saints, I thought, well, that's something you're going to join in the sweet by and by. That's not something that you become part of until you die, until you go to heaven. But I later realized and understood that we're part of the communion of saints here and now. The communion of saints is the past, the present, and the future wrapped into one as we seek to bear witness to Christ. They're greater than anything you can ever imagine. They are greater than an Alabama or an Auburn football game on a Saturday when people are cheering on. It's greater than that because these fans in the stands, this communion of saints, they don't boo you or heckle you at any given point. If you make a bad call or an error on the field, they're still supporting you and cheering you on. When you mess up, when you doubt, 
They are your examples to get up and to keep going. This week I saw a story on ESPN of a Little League World Series game. Some of you may have seen it as well, but these two teams of little boys were playing. They may have been middle school. I have a hard time judging the difference. But these, these boys were playing. There was a, a team from small town Texas and a team from small town Oklahoma, and they were in the Little League World Series. And this one batter got up to hit, and he had zero strikes and two balls. He was the, the boy from Oklahoma. When the pitcher from Texas threw a wild ball, and it hit the kid from Oklahoma in the head so hard that it knocked his helmet off, it knocked him to the ground, and it took him a little bit of time before he could stand up again and, and kind of acclimate himself and get to first base because he'd been given the base since he'd been hit. But you see in the video, as the boy gets to first base, the little pitcher on the mound is still looking down. He couldn't pull himself together because he felt so horrible about what he had done, even though it was a complete accident on his part. And it took a little bit, and then finally, the kid from Oklahoma left first base, and he went out to the pitcher's mound, and he hugged the pitcher from Texas, and they say he told him, it's going to be okay. I'm okay. Keep going. Keep going. We have to keep going in the face of adversity. That's what the people before us have done. That's what the people after us will do. That's what we're expected to do here and now. When we're rattled in our faith, when something in this world shakes us, we are called to keep going, to throw that next pitch and to persevere, knowing that Christ goes with us, knowing that the communion of saints surrounds us. Some of you may remember a movie called Hoosiers. It came out in 1986, and it's about a small-town basketball team from Indiana. They're from a little town called Hickory. And this little team had never been very good their, their court was old. They didn't have the resources to have all the best basketball things that, that you could imagine. But they had overcome a lot of obstacles that particular season, and they had banded together, and eventually they made it to the state playoffs. The first time that any team from Little Hickory had ever made it to state playoffs, and here this team went. And so there's a scene in the movie when they first enter Butler University, what they call the field house in Indianapolis. And it's just them in the arena at that point in time. And it's huge. They walk in, it's like nothing they've ever seen in real life. And they look around at how big the place is. And they're thinking about how loud it's going to be and how intimidating it's going to be when they get out on the field because they've never experienced anything quite like this. Their mouths drop and they're in awe. And then the coach, who just happens to have a tape measure in his pocket, don't really know who carries one of those around, but the coach happened to have a tape measure in his pocket that day. And he takes it out, and he measures from the free throw line to the backboard. And he asks them, well, what's the measurement of our court back home? And they tell him it's the same. And then he measures the distance from the goal to the floor, and he says, well, what's the, the measurement of the goal to the floor in our court back home? And they say, well, it's the same. And he does so to try to show them that this stage that they're on is no different than the stage from back home, that they have to be the same team on the big stage just as they are the same team from back home. 
The Hebrews preacher, as he's talking to the, the Christians in the early church who were living in Rome, they're far away from home. They're persecuted, they're struggling, they're worried about their safety and their well-being, and some of them probably are tired of walking the Christian walk. Is it really worth it to follow this Christ if I'm going to have to endure all that I'm having to endure? And the Hebrews preacher says, don't be afraid to be who you are. You have to have faith in the unseen and the things that are hoped for. It's a message that we can all relate to today. Don't be afraid to be who you are, to share Christ, to show Christ, to love others. Jesus set the course of faith for all of us. He's the lead runner, and he's handed the baton off from generation to generation as people have held on to that cord of faith. We all have to remember that in our journey of faith, to follow Christ faithfully, to stay strong, and to keep lacing up our sneakers day after day after day. That way, when the role is truly called up yonder, you know that you have been faithful. That hymn says, on that bright and cloudless morning, when the dead in Christ shall rise, and the glory of his resurrection share, when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Be there each and every day for Christ. Following him faithfully, knowing that you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, by all the fans in the stands, and encouraging others in the faith as well. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we do give you thanks for your faithfulness. We give you thanks that you are the God of eternity, that you were there at the beginning of time, that you will be there at the end of time, that you created all things and called them good. God, help us to remember that you created us in love, by love, and for love. May we follow you faithfully, following your Son, who is the perfecter of faith, knowing that we may not always see the outcome, but knowing that you are in the midst of it all. Help us to join that great cloud of witnesses, knowing that we are never alone, knowing that we are surrounded, that we are supported, that we are cared for, that we are loved. And may we offer that love to others in our midst. May we show Christ and share Christ in our daily lives, in all that we do. May people see Christ at our core and as the grounding of our being. God, we pray this day for our world, for those who are hurting and those who are suffering, for those who are rebuilding their lives after devastating floods and devastating fires, for people who are living in the midst of war. God, may they feel your presence in whatever suffering that they're enduring, and may they see your hands and feet coming through the help of others. 
God, we also lift up those de- those this day that that are hurting, that we bring with us on our hearts, and we lay them and name them before you now. Holy God, guide us into the week ahead. Help us to feel your love and help us to feel your presence walking with us each and every step of the way as we grab on to that cord of faith. And now we join together in praying the prayer that your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.